Go. Okay. All right. Get everybody in the stuff and let's go. All right. Hello <laughs> and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Rescue Bots podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm feeling chilly, or I wish I was feeling chilly. It's getting warm here. That's right. Uh, but today we are merely examining the tip of the iceberg. Hmm. I'm, no, I'm not going to say it. Re- resist the joke. There'll probably be others. <laughs> Just the tip. Uh, so, no. So this is the uh, this is the first, uh, or sorry, this is the thirtieth episode of Transformers Rescue Bots, and written by Brandon Easton, who has a somewhat checkered uh, hmm? Transformers writing career. Oh, I didn't hmm? notice that. Uh, yes, he, well, he wrote that um, the Transformers Deviations. That's like a what if Transformers the movie where everything is Hot Rod's oh. fault and. He wrote this that terrible galaxies arc about Ultra Magnus, and there's just I it, the writing skill of it I feel is summed up by one panel towards the beginning of the first issue, where Ultra Magnus explains something in depth to Chrome Dome that Chrome Dome clearly knows about because Chrome Dome was the one who brought it to his attention. But the audience doesn't know about it, so he's got to explain it. It's like... Yeah. Uh, that's such bad writing. An editor needs to... You need an editor for important. And he also wrote a bunch of episodes of Siege. Yeah. This is a checker. I like this episode, though. Yeah, yeah. maybe this is like... I felt like part of the problem, other than just, like, extreme writing faux pas, like having a character explain something to another character who clearly knows about that thing, uh, the the biggest problem was just that it seemed to just be trying really hard to be, like, super dark and edgy, and that was also a lot of Siege's problem. Mm. So maybe what... What he needs is to be put in shows. He needs to have to work on things where he's not allowed to be that edgy. Oh, apparently he wrote some of the Thundercats, the 2012 one? Really? He wrote an episode of Agent Carter. Oh. Oh, wow. See? Tell him he can't. he's not allowed to be edgy. Yeah. And then he's okay. Oh, and it's episode of the Thundercats. All his worst impulses. Which one was it? So this uh, this first aired uh, March fifteenth, twenty fourteen, and we we open on the high seas. Yay! Time for more maritime law. Yeah. Yes, because we are on the Griffin Rock ferry, and uh, Cody and uh, his dad are looking out for a sea monster, which uh, the the cap which Captain Shaw, who we've seen in previous episodes, yes. uh, saw circling his ship. Hey, it was a circling his ship. And uh, and and uh, Blades is also there, and he does not. Or sorry, uh, Chase is there. Hmm. Yes. And uh, but soon enough, they are not confronted by a sea monster, but by sea ice. We definitely like this is a a shorter than usual cold open. I felt because we get right into the mortal peril. Yeah. Yes. Well, last week's was longer and. Wait, was the, was the opening theme shorter last week? Not that I noticed. Oh. 
Maybe I just like felt the idea that there's a lot more opening. That they aren't allowed to run the opening credits until someone gets <laughs> put in mortal peril. Then yes. only then can you run the opening credits. Yeah, it's never like a shocking revelation or anything. It's always oh well, somebody's about to be about to be crushed. Yes, someone's about to fall off a mountain, or somebody's about to get hit by a car. Hmm. Uh, Unless somebody's about to get hit with a giant chunk of ice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is, you know, very dangerous. So, so they get to safety. Chase pushes them away from the from the berg, and Cody's wondering, you know, why it's the summer and there's an iceberg. Also, uh, Chief. Uh, addresses Chase as police bot, and I don't yes. know if that's like been established as how they address them in public before. Yeah, I can't remember that before. Because hmm. I kind of feel like you could definitely get away, like if your vehicle turns into an experimental robot, you can kind of get away with having like, oh, well, that's my nickname for him, you know? Yes, you're, you're allowed to at least. Uh, have anthropomorphized them enough for it to be, mm-hmm. like, their name. So, yeah, that felt like something that had not come up before. So, yeah, Maine is, you know, Maine's up there, but it's not that far north. Yeah, it's not quite iceberg and glacier territory. Not and this time of epoch. And in a moment that I thought was pretty uh, appropriately eerie, uh, Cody sees somebody walking on the iceberg... Yes. <gasps> a, shadow, a shadowy humanoid figure on the ice. Yes. I think this is how Frankenstein opens. Oh, oh yes. yeah, it kind of is. Although it was reminding me of a, a different cryptid. Uh, the Yeti? No, the Ningen, which is a humanoid uh, fish figure thing that exists near the ice, although it's usually in the South Pole. It's like it's a weird, big, creepy fish man. I Ooh. do not like it. No, it is, well, because most photos of it are just like badly photoshopped touches of, oh, this is an iceberg that kind of looks like a person, or this is a like a shadow under the water that's sort of human-shaped or mermaid-shaped. And apparently there's a book written by Paul Rudd called Ningen? What? What? Paul Rudd. Not that Paul Rudd, I'm assuming. I was, I was just trying oh. to say our Paul Rudd. <laughs> I was Googling, and, and it showed up in Amazon results, and it's like, the fuck? Ant-Man himself. A big, a big fan of Fishman. Apparently. Uh, I'm guessing he changed his name to Paul Rudd to publish under Paul Rudd. <laughs> or he's just really <laughs> convenient uh... taking advantage of it. Anyway. So, so they can't hang around to fight out what's what, but the chief hucks his comlink onto the ice so they can track it later, which is pretty smart. Yeah, very clever. Hmm. So we cut to the next day, and uh, and this time it is uh, it is Blades and Danny, uh, as well as Cody, who are tracking the signal. Blades is scared of sea monsters. <laughs> yes, like he's very worried that 
he, that's why he's, he's flying higher than normal, which he doesn't like, but he likes being eaten by sea monsters even less. <laughs> yes, he is worried that like some terrifying tentacles are going to come out of the water and pull him down, and he's he's going to overcome his fear of heights for that. Yes. He's a good boy. So they uh, th- they get on this iceberg and they find strangely there is a there's an ice covered control panel on it. Yeah, that's not something you generally find. So they press a button. It opens a big hatch, and it turns out this is not an iceberg. It is a ship encased in ice. Wait, a, a, g- also g- g- not a ghost something you ship? normally find. <gasps> Blades doesn't want to go, and and they they say, where's your spirit of adventure, Blades? He says, I keep it back at the firehouse. (laughs) Exploring ghost ships requires the whole team, and the Navy, and also we should call Optimus Prime. (laughs) Yes. He's not okay with this. No. So I, I, this this is kind of nicely atmospheric that they've done a couple of they've done this a couple of times on the show and I mm. it they it, they're doing it pretty well in this one. Mm. I mean, this is obviously a kid show, so we this is usually where we'd be seeing like frozen corpses, but obviously everybody evacuated. Yeah, uh, yet another spooky lost research facility thing ship underwater lab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the lack of bodies is, is us nitpicking. Yes. Although in this case, it, it sounds like it was abandoned normally. Yeah, well, yeah, we do find out that everybody abandoned ship before things went really wrong. Mm. So this is the SS Isolde. And it was lost in, in, the, in the year 1966. So long ago. <laughs> so off in the far off past. Hmm. It was transporting some some top secret scientific cargo that became unstable, so everybody had to abandon ship, including the captain, Zachary Burns. Ah, uh, hmm. and there's a portrait of him. I kind of get uh, oh, what's um, whatever Sam Witwicky's ancestor was. Yeah, oh, yeah. Who was also like an old sea captain type. Hmm. Yes, but that was longer ago than 1966. Yes. Oh, that, I, I just figured out why the name is sold. Reminded me of something. It, it's because is sold is a character in a courtship of Princess Leia novel. Oh, oh I no! Was, uh, yeah, I was thinking of Tristan and is sold. Yeah, well, well, my brain immediately went to the stupid one, not the historical <laughs> or mythic one. Your brain immediately went to the worst possible one. Yeah. Apparently named after the daughter of the show's composers. Oh. Ooh, that's nice. Uh, who are Star Parody and Jeff Eden Fair. Star Parody? Star Parody and Jeff Eden Fair. That... Those aren't names that people can have. <laughs> I've got to see if this is an alias or what. An alias or a name by hippies? It's hard to tell. I don't see another name on Wikipedia. It might just be Star Parody. Could be, or just legally change names, but still. It's Parody you with an I. don't change your name to that. It's like Reality Winner. 
Hero protagonist? <laughs> yes. Hero Yui. Any Gundam name, honestly. Well, to be honest, well, with Gundam, half the time they actually do change their name. I forget if they did that in Wing, but I know they did that in Double O. <laughs> like it wasn't their real name. What was Char's name that one time? Quattro Vagina? vagina? Yes. Oh, oh, I could give you all of Char's name. Born, uh, Casfel Remdekun changed his name to Edward Mass to hide as a small child. Took the name, Sh- uh, Char Asnabble by finding a guy who looked a lot like him with different eye color named Char Asnabble and effectively killed him didn't literally kill him but he died in the process and they just took his name and then uh, to go into hiding right there's fourth name Quattro Vagina <laughs> the fourth name he had in canon is Quattro Vagina Vagina. I mean, but. four. It's like quattro. Yeah, left to his I own mean, devices, I, I, his creativity for names sucks. I, I like to think that everybody on uh, G Gundam changed their names, except for Canadian Gundam pilot Andrew Graham. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think most of those names are normal-ish. Oh, I guess Domon Cashew is kind I of mean, a weird name, but... Uh, uh, what was oh, the, oh, yeah, those names are all normal. What was the Russian guy's name? Is there a guy named Alan B. Beardsley or something? Alan B. Beardsley is, is uh, she's Swiss, I think. Norwegian, Wait, something, yeah. like something like that. I want to say Danish. Somewhere over there. She piloted the Noble anyway, Gundam, wherever uh, Noble is from. So uh, I think Sweden, Swedish. Then. Okay, Swedish. Yeah, it's Swedish. The area. Oh, the, I'm uh, just saying that, that there's only ever been one person on Gundam named Andrew Graham. Yeah. <laughs> It, it is the most normal, possibly the most normal name in all of Gundam, period. And, of course, that's the guy from Neo-Canada. Yeah. Well, he, he lives north of the, the Neo-America colony, where the pilot from there is named Chibody Crockett. Chibody Crockett. <laughs> Which, uh, it's the best dumb Gundam name. There are dumber Gundam names. Yeah, They're so, better uh, names. So, so, hey, guys, I'm uh, a Chibody Allen B. I'm, uh, I'm Andrew <laughs> Andrew. Oh, is it? And, and he has a wife with like a super normal name, like it's Norma or something. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, yeah. He has a, well, I don't even. Uh, man, I really need to rewatch that, especially since I got the box set, which comes I, with I, the shot glass. There's, there's <laughs> also definitely never been anybody in Gundam named Norman or named Norma. Well, I, mm, I wouldn't put a pass. I don't know, Norma. <laughs> There's anyway, a, there's a guy named Full Frontal. There's a, a somebody named uh, oh, what was it? Return Ribbon. Right, that's no. what I'm saying. Norma is like a a, a '60s diner waitress name. Nobody yeah. on Gundam has a normal name. <laughs> it's just the Canadians. <laughs> everybody else went into space and got crazy space names. The Canadians went into space and kept naming everybody Gordon and Doug. <laughs> Okay, well, while we're doing the yes. crazy ones, okay, we got Domod Kasha from Japan, Chibity Crockett from America, Argo Gulski from Russia, George DeSand from France, Sai Saishi from China, uh, Schwartz Bruder from Germany. Gee, I wonder what his thing is. Schwartz. <laughs> uh, Toho Fuhai, Master Asia from Hong Kong, Allenby Beardsley oh, from Sweden, Asia. Cecily Holger from Denmark? 
I have forgotten so many characters. Ah, the, oh, the Nether Gundam. So who drives the Mexican one? Isn't that Tequila Gundam? Yeah, uh, Chico Rodriguez. Oh my god, that's... Oh, duh. oh Wow, no. it, <laughs> it got more stereotypical than even I thought. Got worse. Ouch. Oh, uh, the ger- gentle Chapman from Neo-Britain. <laughs> With the uh, beefier hat. Yeah. Uh, Marcelot Kronos from Greece. <laughs> These names. Oh... Russets Daggets from Singapore? Okay. The guy just loves potatoes, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Frank Gastro from Cuba. Sure. Frank Gastro. <laughs> oh, well, we can't just name it Castro. What if I put, what if we change the C to a G? Oh, no. Oh, I'm brilliant. <laughs> oh, Gastro. <laughs> Gastro. <laughs> That hurts. Uh, and uh, I, I assume the guy from uh, like Neo Libya is named uh, Badafi or something. Uh, I, I, I don't think. That, well, there, there were some ones in the manga that didn't show up. I don't. I don't want to look deeper. Got enough weird things. I have to find my uh, my book later. It's just like and- G Gundam Guide. Marcello Chariot from Italy. What's a movie that takes place in Italy? Oh, how about Ben-Hur? What do they ride Ben-Hur? Oh, Chariots. Okay, sure. I I mean, with the rest of those names, I'm surprised it's not like Antonio Linguini. (laughs) (laughs) No, because that's just JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, wait, is there actually somebody named Antonio Linguini on that show? Wait, let me. Uh, there's oh, there was an Italian chef in part four. I forget what his name was. I thought. Get, get back to the episode them, while I look that up. Okay, one of so, those yeah, we, series, yeah. just everyone was like ridiculous Italian food names. <laughs> and that's why when I talk about Dopio, which I mean as two shots of espresso, you think I oh, mean yeah. a JoJo character. The fifth part, everybody's named after food. <laughs> anyway. The episode. Yeah, so we're, so we're on this spooky ship. Everything is frozen, and uh, the captain had, like, a big oil portrait of himself in the uh, in his captain's chambers. As you do. And Cody wants to snag it, because he knows that his dad was very fond of his grandfather, but is frozen to the wall. Cody! <laughs> you don't take a painting from a haunted ship? Wait, uh... <laughs> Take a well, really, from... he's checked to make sure that, like, the eyes aren't cut out and there's, like, a guy behind it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Have it exercised first. Definitely need to have it exercised first. It's not, yeah, listen, it's not listen. safe. Do you want a Vigo the Carpathian? Because that's how you get a Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. Listen, your rescue bots are like the buzzing of flies to him. Uh, death is but a doorway. Time is but a window. He'll be back. <laughs> Uh, so anyway uh, there is like a weird freeze machine that is causing all of this uh, this freezing and Blades tries to turn it off but instead turns it on and it freezes him solid well it sort of turns it on more it was already on it's just malfunctioning so luckily they have some defrosting uh, foam Mm. Yes, in a can, a convenient can. Yes, it is less deadly to robots than flame-retardant foam. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
mean, it doesn't kill them. That just incapacitates them. Yes. So they, uh, so Cody gets the, uh, the apocalyptic logbook of this, uh, of this ship, which, uh, you know, if this is a video game, this is where they'd, uh, you know, you read about it and find out how everybody was killed by a zombies or something. Yes. And they get the FO to dodge. Yes. Also, so they mentioned that everything in the shipment was top secret, except apparently the, the ice machine, like yes. the instant massive freezing ray like what else was on here if that part is okay but well yeah. we'll find out later uh, has anybody here read kurt vonnegut uh what oh not recently uh oh cat's cradle you know ice nine. Oh, yes it's like you, you drop it in any body of water it's like a, a super crystal you drop it in any body of water it freezes instantly oh okay so, of course, a bunch of it, like, falls in the ocean and triggers an apocalypse. Yes. As tends to happen when you have things like that around. Yes. So it goes. Anyway, so it turns out this thing is the Sub-Zero Expander. And, unfortunately, they cannot beat it because they don't have the Reptile Expander or the Scorpion Expander. <laughs> <laughs> Get over here! So it was originally meant to heal the ice caps, but instead it's just a deadly super weapon. I didn't realize we were quite that aware of the damage being done to the ice caps in 1966. But yeah, well, you know, well we, okay. were, we were in the super scientific uh, age of, uh, of uh, Griffin Rock. I guess that's fair. I mean, that was definitely post-Silent Spring, so we were starting to be at least somewhat aware of environmental issues. I just don't know if that one was specifically something that was being noticed by then, but but yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Maybe the super scientific community was aware of it long before. So, Cade and Heatwave have decided that uh, you've got to nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, the chief, surprisingly, is like, uh, yeah, definitely. You should do that. Like, you know, obviously I'd like to find my grandfather's ship, but also... Uh, Dangerous things? Yeah. Has anybody here seen the movie uh, The Day After Tomorrow? Because <laughs> that's what we're looking at here. I love that movie so much. We're, we're all going to be running away from wolves and a wall of cold, <laughs> and it's, it's going to be a lot. We're going to have to call in Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Someone is going to get a, a cut that is absolutely going to become a major plot point later. Uh. So yeah, Cody stays back. Everybody else heads out on the uh, the Darby Ava, the uh, the uh, the Burns family boat. Oh yeah. And so yeah, he starts uh, he starts reading this logbook, and uh, so you know they get there, they set up the bombs, but then there's there's a there's a weird uh, there's that sea monster again, and it is now heading towards the uh, the iceberg. So the rescue bots have to get back on the ship. Although not before uh, the chief uh, name drops the ancient meme, Boom Goes the Dynamite. <laughs> That's a meme? Wow. Uh, have, you, have you not seen the Boom Goes the Dynamite? Uh, maybe not, or I just forgot it. It's like some sports cast, and I think it's like a guy filling in or something, and he's trying to come up with, like, uh, you know, euphemisms. And, you know, oh. yeah, so the guy puts the, like, 
ball in the net, and it's like, boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> so he's like uh, the the robots in disguise bumblebee of sports <laughs> sportscasters. Yeah. Okay. So well, this is what happens. So this is uh, uh this is at Ball State University. So it's Ball already hilarious. State? <laughs> oh Ball State University. It's in Muncie, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Muncie. Th- this is made up. <laughs> their uh, their teammate no. their uh, their sports teams are of course the Fighting Sacks. <laughs> Go Sacks. No, they're actually the Cardinals. But yes, Ball State. I was gonna say that part you're making up. I, I'm no, sticking no. with that. The the, the uh, opposing team is always oh, going to kick some sack. <laughs> Cardinals. <laughs> so this uh, so there was like like a campus newscast. The regular guy was sick. They had to put this this freshman in, and then the the. There was like a new guy on the teleprompter. He actually fast forwarded through the whole thing, <laughs> so the guy just had to like make, make sure. ad lib the whole thing. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, oh. And, and then it ended up on YouTube, and it was a whole thing. I I don't remember that. I think I don't remember it because it was a sports meme, and well, so therefore yeah. I did not engage. Sorry. Uh, sports memes are some of the finest memes. Well, they can be. Yeah, you guys are missing out. But, but the only sports meme that really matters is, is that giant inflatable red dinosaur running and falling forward. The raptor from the, the Toronto Rap- Raptors. Yeah, they're the best sports <laughs> meme of all time. I mean, unless there are probably some good wrestling memes, but I don't remember. What any. about that guy who like uh, tosses uh, the uh, what he thinks is going to be a three pointer, turns around and like does the you know? Well, that's the end of that chapter, and then it just bounces off the rim. Well, that happens all the time. Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, he, he name drops that, but they have to get these bombs back because they don't want to blow up this dolphin or shark or sea monster, whatever. So the rescue bots have right, to go back they, on. They're assuming that it's an actual animal. Yes. So also, they, they, at one point, we get full stock transformations here, which oh yeah, I I don't think Pat- we see very often. And Heatwave once again does the buy my toy. Pat that runtime, baby. Yes, but yeah, he has he does the uh, the little energy. It's only like is he just super into his new action feature? I guess maybe that so. was the first one on the market. <laughs> maybe it's wave one. So yeah, they huck these bombs out to sea. They explode harmlessly, and then the shark services. But it wasn't a shark. It was a shark submarine <gasps> or shark marine. <laughs> no, and nobody it. And uh, who, wait, who do we know who has a who has a shark marine? Ah, uh, uh, yes, it's Doctor Morocco. This asshole, <laughs> who sounds a little different. Yeah, he's back. He's sadly not Kim, Tim Curry this time. My, I think this is after Tim Curry had had the stroke. Yeah, we we figured that out last time. My like, notes, he had a stroke in his voice. My was, notes at this good. point, it's just all caps. This asshole. <laughs> he's and, doing. Uh, this is, an, oh, screw well, this guy. An okay and a not okay Tim Curry impression. He's he's going a little hard. It's, it's, it's not yeah, quite as is, good uh, as the Tim Curry impression that they use in SSSS Gridman. Oh, I need to watch the dub of that. <laughs> uh, this is this is actor Greg Ellis, also known as Johnny Reeves. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's like a big voice actor. He's on he has a ton of does a ton of Star Wars. He's on whatever. He's on Skylanders. Uh, he's done a fair bit of live action stuff too. Ha. Uh-huh. Admittedly, I'm not familiar with. Oh, he was uh, 
He was Gentleman Ghost on uh, Brave and the Bold. Okay. Yeah, I can see that being a voice where you bring in someone who can sound like Tim Curry, sort of. Oh, that's why. He was Valmont in Jackie Chan Adventures. He's basically Uh, the same character as he's playing right now. (laughs) Kind of. Yes, he is everybody's favorite steampunk mad scientist, possibly immortal guy. Hmm. We saw him in the 40s, and he looked exactly the same. And he had like a... Like a regeneration chamber. Yeah, definitely like he's wearing, like how I continue wearing like t-shirts and flannel, even though it is the year 2021 and not 1994. He's doing that, except his version of it is Victorian. And eventually we're going to find out exactly how old he is. Mm, I don't know. I kind of like the mystery. He's even older than you think. (laughs) So he just continued letting his fashion evolve until he got to a particular point that he just really liked, and he was like, you know what? I'll, well, I'll stay here. Actually, it's kind of appropriate to where he's from. Ah, okay. Okay, so he's from Atlantis. I don't know. So he's not Vandal Savage old, but he's... No, he's not Vandal Savage, or if you're a Marvel zombie, the Master of the World old. <laughs> Mas- Wait, isn't the Master of the World Kang? No, 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 that's... No, no, the Master of the World is, he fights Alpha Flight, and he's like a super-evolved oh. caveman. Oh, okay, then that's not one of the, the maybe Karen guys. You may be thinking of Ramatut, the Scarlet Centurion, oh. or Immortus. Oh, Immortus. I was thinking of Immortus. Or any of the many oh, wait, other people who are possibly Kang. Yes. Immortus. A, a Kang, definitely not Doctor Doom, but might be Doctor Doom's son? Or possibly father. Time travel, baby. (laughs) Anyway, so he's... uh, Oh, and Mortis has a really dumb hat. (laughs) (sighs) So yeah, there... So so not only is is Jen all, oh, it's this asshole. The entire Burns family is all, oh, it's this asshole. Yes. A polite, kid-friendly version of it's this asshole. So there's an amazing detail that comes up here that they don't elaborate on in in the text here. But apparently he was pardoned when he helped find the mayor's schooner. Which, remember, which he, he stole. stole. <laughs> he stole when he was escaping. Yeah, when we last we saw him. Like, I love that. They don't they don't meant no one mentions that. It's just like, oh yes, he was pardoned when he helped find the mayor's schooner, and I was just like, wait a minute. <laughs> I love that so much. And yes, he claims uh he claims this boat under sea law. <laughs> hey, we are back to maritime law. That's Which, right, yeah, yeah, it turns out you you know, by the law of the sea, that means finders keepers. Yeah. It was abandoned. It is legal. So, yeah, he just starts, you know, the, you know, good has lost, evil has won. He just starts packing this stuff up. <laughs> and also there's this uh, sort of guitar music on the soundtrack that's, it's very like 90s action movie scored with a guitar like uh, The Rock and Con Air. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so back on uh, the mainland, Cody is uh, finally getting to the end of this uh, log, which I'm sure was fascinating, hmm. uh, because it turns out the end is uh, move Sub-Zero Expander 
uh, breach hull, everyone dies. <laughs> Had it underlined in everything. Basically. Yeah. And yeah, if if you move it, it will ex- it will cause a cold explosion, flash freezing everything in a five mile radius, which means all of his entire family, the rescue bots, and also the Griffin Rock Ferry. Which yeah. like, how big is the island? Like the maps they give, and like, was it wasn't the last episode? Like they said, if, the- like evacuate everybody in like two mile area away from like the the bomb that yeah, almost two mile radius. How big is this island? Yeah. Like it's hard I mean, to tell. It is, it is as big as you want it to be. It's as big as I it guess. needs to be. That's right. Uh, could the city be two miles across? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I live in a town that's about that big, and I'm pretty sure Griffin Rock is bigger. <laughs> so they uh, he gets word to the rescue bots. They they hustle. Um, uh, they hustle Morocco back onto his shark sub, and he is very indignant about it. Extremely <laughs> indignant. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, that does not give them enough time to get out of there. So all the humans just have to pile into their rescue bots and pray, because this thing explodes. And, and as, there's just a he- as we have learned, the interior of the rescue bots is sufficient protection for, for instance, deep undersea exploration. So it can mm, definitely... Yes survive this. Although they're a little chilly. Yes, they are a little Well, they're they're chilled. made of metal and, you know, temperature conducts. They didn't have time That's to, true. like, you get in your car and it's cold and you gotta wait for the heater to kick in. They haven't had yeah. time for the heater to kick in. Ooh, I wonder if they've got heated seats. Oh, I have heated seats. That's the good stuff. My oh, last no. car had heated seats, so that's not, like, a huge sudden new thing, but still. What? I, I don't really give a shit. I, my feet, I need heated feet, because you know, even in winter, sometimes I have the air on. <laughs> I don't like it warm. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, this, uh, so this fairy freezes solid. But, because I guess everything is so... Uh, everything is so frozen solid, everybody decides, everybody on this ferry decides to just hop into their cars and drive to the mainland. This is such a terrible no. idea. You don't know how far well, this ice goes. I, yes, but- I do, I do like that, uh, so Chief Burns is able to warn Captain Shaw that this is about to happen. He gets on the announcement and tells everyone to get in their cars so they'll be safe. And then he says, and welcome to Griffin Rock. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. And there's a lot of people saying iceberg dead ahead in this, which really makes me think Titanic. Yes. <laughs> well, it, it may not have been a problem if, if um, the, the the guy that gets speeding tickets all the time hadn't been on the ferry and was impatient. Yes. And people just followed him. Bert, I mean, this Bert guy has definitely... Yeah. yeah, this guy has definitely seen uh, the fate of the Furious where this happens. <laughs> I mean, I have oh, well, lived in everything. areas where you could maybe get a car onto the ice, but that's like in February and it hasn't been above freezing for months. They used to used to say up there that the four seasons were June, July, August, and winter. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you really should not be getting a car on ice that has that you don't know. Like, yeah, this is a bad idea. These people should all know better, except for the Burt Reynolds guy, who we know does not know better. 
So yeah, there uh, in the in the fate of the Furious, a bunch of uh, guys who used to steal uh, combination VCR DVD players yes. are recruited by a super spy agency and drive a bunch of sports cars and a mini tank across the ice fields to stop evil super hacker. Uh, what's her name? Charlize Theron from hijacking a nuclear submarine. These people have been watching Ice Road Truckers, and they are not Ice Road Truckers. Oh, no. There is no Ice Road, and they are not truckers. No. Mm. But they are impatient. They have appointments to get to. They're late for work, and they don't want to call in and tell their boss. It's silly. They should not uh, be doing that. Anyway, random aside, I was looking on the wiki. Now I'm confused. On two different pages, it says that that the ship is named after the daughter of different people. (laughs) Well, no, the boat, the Burns' boat is named after... Oh, yeah, there are two different boats that are named after people's daughters. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, no. No, 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 no. Check the the wiki. Because there's the boat and there's the ship. Right, the 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 I sold is named after the composer's daughters. The Darby Ava is named after somebody else's daughter because uh, it's the same people that uh, same person that Jack Darby is named after. Yes. But well, then uh, Jeff well, Klein's daughter. The the the, the wiki's confusing. On, on the SS's sold page, it says the ship is named after the daughters of Star Parody and Jeff Eden Fair. On the page mm. for this episode, it says the Isolde is named after composer Christopher Elves's daughter. Oh, weird. Maybe they both have a daughter named Isolde. Could be, although I, I was just scrolling down and I saw the name Christopher Elves, and it's like, what? <laughs> All these names sound made up. Yes. yes. Can't just have names like that. It's not right. Well, we'll, we'll have to uh, question someone about, what do we screw up? Hopefully it'll be fixed by the time this episode comes out. Or there yes. are multiple people that have a daughter named Isolde. Yes. Maybe there's some kind of wacky thruple going on. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. Or maybe it's a granddaughter. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so everybody is frozen solid. Uh, so Cody now takes his uh, his turbo cycle, converts it to, like, jet ski mode. Yes. It's kind of a snowmobile. Yeah. Yes. Which like is... Definitely a lot more uh, reasonable to ride out on the ice. That was actually something that there was like part of the trail just went over the the canal and it was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. It was extremely irritating at night. <laughs> it's also, when you were trying to drive and they were just drunkenly driving their snowmobile along the sidewalk next to the road and just fall off it in front of you and it's like the other people come on I had that happen once I swerved so he he gets there defrost them all previously uh, Danny had tried to defrost uh, blades from the inside and you better hope that stuff isn't carcinogenic Danny (laughs) also I really like that Cody's gun has like a a snowflake uh, with with what uh, some of our friends refer to as the Ghostbusters negation symbol, or the, the Ghostbusters yes. negation circuit over it. So it's got a little no yes. snowflake symbol on it. Yes. Very concise. Mm. So they, uh, yeah, they, the rescue bots transform. They, they 
do a bunch of ice hopping, rescue all of these doomed insane motorists, and their cars even. Yes, it's very nice Mm. of them. I mean, if the car has been submerged, it's uh, out of luck. But Mm. yeah, especially in the cold. They tried. An attempt was made. Unfortunately, the humans are back there with their regular boat, and it just gets a big chunk of ice falling on it. Uh, which busts a big hole in it. And of course, there is no help to be found, because Dr. Morocco has bugged out of there. <laughs> yep. He's Unless, later. <gasps> yeah, except, no, it is Dr. Morocco to the rescue. <gasps> what? Because he just gives them a lift on his shark marine and uh, sends them, uh, gets them to shore. So, there, yeah, there is a lot of peril in this episode. Yeah, mm. it's this is an extremely dangerous episode. But at least it's not aggressively grimdark peril like Brian Easton is generally falls into. No, it, it, no, it's sort of a vague, oh, we might freeze to death <laughs> peril, but but yes. not yes. pointed aggressive. Other than the the chunk of ice falling on you at the beginning, no one oh, is a pretty good. Uh, no one is a pretty good gag when oh. no one is Go selling ahead. anybody for body parts. No, that was a big part of the plot of that galaxy's arc. Yes, so so there's there's a pretty good gag when Co- when Kate when Cody gets to the. Uh, the iceberg and Heatwave insists that he get defrosted first because Cade has overstayed his welcome. <laughs> yes! <laughs> because Cade's like beating on the window. I'm like, I was thinking, come on, buddy, you're going to break his glass and then that's not going to go well for anybody. Yes. going to be some hard feelings. So yeah, they uh, they get to shore and they're all wondering, you know, hey, you know, Dr. Morocco, I guess, you know, he, he isn't in, he's not like 100% evil. And perhaps there is a, I, you know, I didn't think there was a grateful bone in his body, leading the robots to ponder where the grateful bone is. Maybe it's near <laughs> the funny bone, Boulder suggests. Yeah. Uh, so later on, there, there's a knock on the door, and there's a package from Dr. Morocco. He sent them the portrait of Zachary Burns. It's a scheme. It's got... Uh, it's got some sort of spy stuff in Ooh, there. Oh, yeah, that would be tricky. That That is something he would do. Because we he, cut back to him. He's He's got his stuff in the ship. Cracks open the box. And I, I think it's the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does glow. Oh, no. The, um, oh, the gr- glowing thing is originally from an old black and white movie. What the fuck? It was a new Oh, uh, Kiss Me Deadly. Yes. Where it's like a it's like a, a radioactive isotope yes, or something. Yes, it, it is actually grow, glowing shit that will kill you. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, just been reused in other stuff where it's just ooh symbolism it glows. No, when, when you were death. looking for a glowing thing in an old movie, I thought you were thinking of uh, the Loch Nahr from Heavy Metal. Oh uh, uh, no, oh. I'd, I'd rather watch Kiss Me Deadly. I wait, actually, do I have that? I think I got the Criterion of that. Oh, Kiss Me Deadly, or uh, wait, is surely there's not a. I think Criterion was- edition of heavy metal. No, oh hell no! And I wouldn't want that in my house. I do not like that movie. <laughs> I have a certain fondness for it. It's so Canadian. Yeah, I like uh, it. Yeah, well, okay, it's some of the Canadian like Second City voice actors. It's nice to hear them. But other than that, I mean, otherwise, I mean, it's you know, it's completely immature and imbecilic. Yes, it's definitely but, uh, a movie that I watched when I was fifteen. If I'm going to watch an imbecilic Canadian movie from that era, I'm going to watch Strange Brew. 
Oh, I was going to say rock. I I was thinking rock and rule. I thought he was going to say strange brew. (laughs) (laughs) I love strange brew. Probably a better soundtrack. How dare? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Wasn't there a rush song on it? There has to be a rush song on it. I don't know that there is. I I don't know that Strange Brew has like a big soundtrack. It certainly doesn't have like Cheap Trick on it or uh, uh, the Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. Oh, Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, okay, yeah, that might be. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, so yeah, that is um, that is tip of the iceberg. I I like this one. I I, I always enjoy Doctor Morocco. I like that he's back. I don't trust him. I think that it's a scheme. I think that he (laughs) saved them for some nefarious reason. And I think he sent them the portrait for some nefarious reason. And I don't trust him. However... We're not going to see him for about 15 episodes. That's because he's planning evil. He's out planning some evil. (laughs) Well, we've also got some, we've got a lot, we're kind of getting a bit of a villain pile-up on this uh, show. We've got, uh, we've got the vaguely sinister Priscilla Pinch. Yes, oh. who we er- have only seen implied that she's actually done anything bad, but she is a Karen. We've, we've got <laughs> our, we've got our recurring druids from last year. Yes. From uh, last episode. episode yeah. I love the druids. Why are they druids? Uh, yeah, now, Who knows? And yeah, now we've got uh, Dr. Morocco. He's back. And he's back in the mayor's good graces for finding his boat after stealing it. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh. Wait a minute. <laughs> are, are we going to have like a Griffin Island Legion of Doom by the end Ooh. of this? Real, real super villain team up. Maybe. Mm. So yeah, that is uh, that is it for uh, for tip of the iceberg. Uh, I believe that now leads us to David's Tokusatsu corner. Yes, this week on Gosei Sentai Die Ranger, we were naive. Okay. Question mark. Yeah. Well, two exclamations. Oh, Not question mark. Uh, it starts. The, the Rangers are moping. Oh, we lost the children's souls. Oh, bad. Uh, oh, our 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 master kind of says we're, we've been bad, so maybe we're not Rangers anymore. Oh, look, there, there's an evil Muppet riding a skateboard. We have to stop because <laughs> oh. the, the evil puppets are still around. But it, it's like a bear Muppet riding a skateboard. It's like okay, we're back in the action. We run out. There's chaos. Puppets and dolls everywhere. There's a Santa puppet that has a gun. A doll just throws a giant match and starts a fire. They're rolling giant barrels down hills. It's chaos. <laughs> this is scary and I don't like it. Anyway, so the Rangers go back to Mr. Co- Master Kaku. It's like, we have to do something about this. He says, sit down and meditate. No, no, we have to do something. Sit down and meditate. Fine, we'll sit down and meditate and then get a history lesson about the Gorma and, and the past and the Daos Empire and we transcendentally teleport to ancient China or something. It's very strange. But in in the process, they learn the past. The Gorma 6,000 years ago showed up and kicked an empire's ass that was super advanced and had giant floating spinning satellite ball thingies like mini death stars whatever 
Anyway, in the in the rubble of this temple in China, in their meditation trance, they find dusty tablets with oh look, there's five things. There's there's a dragon and a Kieran and thingies. Oh, there are symbols. Oh wait, maybe there are more robots. Yes, there are more robots. <gasps> yes, I always love it when there are more robots. They come back from the meditation. I guess they're more in touch with their chi power. They they go out to actually chase the killer dolls that are everywhere like they wanted to. And it, one doll runs through a door it creates, and the Green Ranger runs after it and is separated from the other rangers, and there's a fight. And the Green Ranger is fighting the Key Jester again, and he uses a special... The, the Green Ranger uses a special power of creating a fog with illusions and, like, model jets attack the Key Jester. Okay. And then he he sends a door at him, and then, then the key... There's a gag scene where it's like, oh, I use this key or this key. No, I use a big key, stick it in the door, turn the door, door opens up and explodes. Okay. So the rangers are doing explosive gags now. The, the episode moves really quickly to get to the end, where they explode the... the key jester and then the, the the evil dolls just drop and their souls come out and they go back into the kids and it's a happy ending kind of but Gorma's still out there like it moves really fast and that's the end of the episode no no well they do use well the red ranger does use the the giant red dragon to go from where he is to where the green ranger is that's it there's no fight with it but <laughs> But fighting. I know. It was disappointing. I was expecting a giant monster fight. Where's my Red Dragon no, Thunder Zord? Red, Red Dragon Thunder Zord made a cameo as a taxi in this episode. Ah, uh, <laughs> this sounds like the worst. It's a little disappointing, but uh, it, 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 it was a good episode. It just whizzed by. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. All right. So that... That is it for us this week. We'll be back next week with uh, more Rescue Bots action, because I've forgotten what the name of the next episode is. <laughs> uh, well, shoot, what was it? Wait, wait, I've got the list here. Uh, oh, it, it turns out that if you die in the game, you die for real. It is a real virtual disaster. <gasps> oh, no! I hate it when that happens. Oh, poor. <sighs> But until then, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on iaconunderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, by the time this episode goes live, I'm sure we will have figured out what we're doing for April. Will it be a lizard? Will it be a giant gorilla? Or will it be something entirely different? Hey, Ron, That's you know, right. you know what else was on the cartoons, uh, on, on Pluto along with the, uh, the Kong cartoon, Sky Surfer Strike Force? Ooh. Oh, no. That's something we're definitely going to have to get to, and David's not going to like it. No, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Alright, so until then, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm David. Okay. Boom go the dynamite. <laughs>